Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Today, my guest again is going to be Elliot Christ. He is a draft expert. He does a tremendous amount of work on the rookies. Last week, we did the veterans and how the draft affects them. I wanted to wait a week to do the rookies, A, to be different than everyone else and what they're doing, and B, because I wanted to get Elliot's take not only on the landing spot, but how ADP has reacted to the landing spot, because that's really what matters. And um, Elliot's going to give it to us straight, and that should be great. I got a question on Twitter, uh, and I've gotten it before about my opening to the show. So basically, when I was a kid, and I'll, I'll keep this pretty short, but basically when I was a kid in the 70s, there was no NFL content. There was no ESPN And once a week, we got this highlight show where they kind of took you through all the games. Now, in those days, you really only got to see one or two football games. There was no, you know, direct TV. There was no way to watch, um, you know, and if you were in a New York market like I was, most weeks you got the Jets at 1 o'clock and the Giants at 4 o'clock or vice versa, and that was pretty much all the football you watched. And they had this great highlight show with all the great NFL film songs. So that was one of the NFL film songs. I think it was the one for the Redskins. It's my favorite. And the name of the podcast is the Run to Daylight podcast. Well, back in the 60s, Vince Lombardi wrote a book called Run to Daylight. And so that is actually Vince Lombardi saying, what the hell is going on out here? And at the end, it's him saying, Run to Daylight. So that is the explanation. That's our trivia question of the day. Um, Our podcast is brought to you by Fanball. More states, more options, and more fun. They just keep adding new contests. Live drafts are now available on Fanball. I did my first live draft this week. They're pretty intense. Um, And they're going to just keep making uh, upgrades to the software and to the features. If you have anything you want, uh, you can email uh, them and or you could... uh, DM Scott Fish if you're uh, attached to him, and he keeps a list. So that's a lot of fun, and that should be good. And I've talked way too long with my guests waiting. Elliot, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, man. How's everything with you? Oh, it's good. It's good. I mean, you are just killing it. Um, Last time I introduced you a few weeks ago, there was, you know, you were into this and you were into that. But since then, there's been some pretty good, uh, pretty amazing news on the Elliot Christ front. Why don't you share both your Twitter and where people can mostly find your work these days now? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Elliot Christ, E-L-I-O-T-C-R-I-S-T. I, uh, I tweet out all my thoughts to kind of engage in different debates. You know, even if you disagree with me, I'm happy to have a conversation about whatever it is. And you know, I'm writing these articles for 44.com right now on you know, it's a season-long outlook, not a dynasty outlook of all these rookies and their landing spots and what it means for for the year one of the rookies and that, that team's offense. And, you know, there's been, a, I think, eight pieces out so far. I got a, I got Nick Chubb and um, on Johnson coming out tomorrow, and then I, I'm working on um, – Michael Gallup and DJ Moore as well. And, you know, there's there's just going to be any any rookie wait, that wait, I did, did you say that your Johnson got a chub? Um, Go ahead. I'm going to let that one slide. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, you know, it's 
it, it's fun when you really take a deep dive and really understand all the landing spots. And, you know, um, there, there's been a lot of fascinating findings and some things that I feel makes me feel a little bit differently than, I guess, the consensus take on players. But uh, a lot of work coming out of 4 for 4 You know, every day you should be able to find a new piece for me. And that's awesome. And that was the big news. Elliot, um, since our last podcast, is now working for 4 for 4 and that is one of my favorite websites. I've I've been uh you know, I've I've gotten their content for a couple of years, so um highly recommend you check out Elliot's work. Let's get right into it, Elliot. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you the name of the player, uh where his current ADP is and whether I am going to plan on being overweight, even weight or underweight on them at ADP. And for best ball, that's really what matters, right? It's not how much we like the situation. It's how much we like the situation versus the ADP, correct? Yeah, everything's about value. You know what I mean? Like, we'll get to certain guys, but there are certain guys I like as talents, but the situation doesn't call for the average draft position. And, you know, if I have a guy as a seventh rounder and he's going to go in the fifth round, I'm going to have very, very little of him. But if I have a guy as a – seventh rounder and he's going in the ninth round i'm gonna have as much of him as possible it's it's not it's really important to remove emotion from it and not just players you like but understanding value and attacking it yeah exactly and uh, one you know something i've written about before is enthusiasm and not being like wiley coyote who is so eager to kill the road runner he always ends up running off the cliff so we're going to be and 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 the one thing i i do want to mention too is that over the last two years, rookie running backs have hit in a huge way. And while running back typically is the best position for rookies, I mean, wouldn't you agree that the last two years might have skewed the way people are reacting to landing spots this year? Not necessarily, because I think the thing that's changed in the NFL is the amount of rookie running back talent that's come into the league. You know, we, we, we had a few years from 2012 to 2014 where there re- really wasn't top-end running back talent, and that had an impact on the NFL. Guys like Carlos Hyde and Eddie Lacy were the top guys um, in their classes, and those guys don't stack up with Ezekiel Elliott, the Leonard Fournettes, the Saquon Barkleys. So I, I think that the reason we've seen that is so much recently is because there's been so much talent that's come in recently, and, you know, this year's class isn't very different. And, Running back in fantasy is all about opportunity. And when the talent gets opportunity, it often shines. It's an easy position. It's probably the easiest position to translate from college to NFL. So I think that's why we see the most success. And, you know, if these guys get good landing spots, they're going to keep producing. Yep, absolutely. If they indeed have the talent that everyone thinks they have. Um, And we'll start with the guy that pretty much everyone agrees has the most talent. It's Saquon Barkley. It's a good landing spot from him. Um, I can't say that there aren't some question marks. Uh, You know, he's not the greatest in between the tackles runners, and they have Jonathan Stewart. So, when you know, he was going at 1.8, 1.9, 1.10, 1.11, right in that range before the draft. I've seen him get a little bit of a bump. Um, It's a good landing spot, but the Giants' offensive line isn't great. Um, personally, right now, I have an even weight grade on him at an ADP of one six or one seven. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I actually looked into this in terms of what being a top ten pick means for a running back. And since 2012, no running back taken in the top ten has not been a PPR RB ten or higher, or, or lower. I'm, I'm sorry. So an RB one. Which means that basically, and that's including Trent Richardson, by the way, the guy that's probably most famous for being a bust. And most of these best ball leagues are all PPR. And Saquon Barkley is going to get this workload that makes him really difficult for him to not finish as a top player. You know, best ball is about weekly upside as well, and Saquon Barkley is going to have as much of that as any player. I think he's locked into tremendous volume. He's going to get the receiving work. I mean, the Pat Shermer is the new head coach of the Giants. Talked about how he wants to target running backs. They can't catch the football. He has no interest in them. He, they targeted running backs for the Vikings last year on 21% of, or 20.9% of their pass attempts. And 
Jarrett McKinnon was actually targeted more frequently than Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell. So I, I feel like Barkley probably doesn't have a touchdown equity that you look for inside the five. Cause like you talked about with Jonathan Stewart, he's one of the best guys in the goal line, uh, in the goal line, but they did get Will Hernandez. They did add uh, Nate uh, Solder and Barkley's going to get a ton of receiving work. My guess is 90 plus targets and a ton of work um, between the tackles and, you know, the touchdown equity is probably a little bit lower than I would have liked, but, you know, compared to the other team he was most likely to go to in the Cleveland Browns, I think this is a pretty favorable uh, landing spot. And I, I think he's pretty easily a top five running back with Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, the guys that are clearly ahead of him. Now, all right. So you, you would put him number five of those five, though, correct? Yeah. I mean, anytime you but, add in an unknown. But, like, I would take him over Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara very comfortably. Yes, me too at this point. So now the only question is um, the two wide receivers. Um, because of positional scarcity, I, I would lean towards taking Barkley sometimes over uh, Beckham. I still have a hard time taking him over Hopkins. What's your thought on those guys? Yeah, I think this is tough because all the – all the top running backs go in the first round, right? And the, the thing is, there are only so many guys that are going to get this workhorse workload. And so I always want to make sure I can get one or two of those guys, and I think I can kind of mix and match receivers. But a guy like Hopkins is probably going to lead the league in targets again. Him and Watson had incredible chemistry. Watson's whole game is, you know, giving his guys opportunities to make catches. So Hopkins, you know, Hopkins, Brown, Beckham <clears> – <throat> But those are really tough decisions. And honestly, one, I don't think you can necessarily get wrong. Yeah, I, I, I think, and that's why I said even weight, right? You know, the, the whole point of even weight is at ADP, do you want to be slightly, you know, do you want to sometimes take them instead of those guys? Or do you, you know what I mean? So that's what I mean by even weight. So I think we're saying the same thing there. Um, going to go on to the next guy, and that's Rashad Penny. Uh, I mean, you couldn't bestow much more love on a player than the Seahawks have shown Penny so far. This has caused his ADP to rise into the fourth round. I got to admit, I have some concerns because, uh, you know, I, uh, one of my big focuses this year, Elliot, is to when teams show you what they believe about players, believe them. Because often, you know, we we wish that the coaches saw what we see in players, but the coaches see at the end of the day see what they see and they're very stubborn but Pete Carroll's a little bit of a different animal because he'll he blows more smoke up people's asses per capita than pretty much any coach in the NFL he's over always super positive and Penny as good as you know the signs are because they traded up to get him and all the good words um, we talked about how he's not a great blocker they're calling him a third down back He's in the fourth round. I've got a, uh, an underweight grade on him, and most people think I'm crazy. Am I crazy? I think we talked about earlier the volume is such an important factor in this, and he's going to get it. Like you, you talked about the Seahawks situation and Pete Carroll kind of blowing, blowing smoke, but that's been on like late-round guys, Chris Carson, um, Mike Davis, you know. Russell Wilson led his team in touches last year. And if, if you look, they're basically talking about making Rashad Penny Marshawn Lynch all over again. Now, he's not as good as Lynch. I had a third-round grade on Penny, but once you factor in landing spot and opportunity, I kind of throw some of that stuff away. We mentioned his pass blocking. You know, they already said they're comfortable putting him on the field. And I, I believe if you take a guy in the first round, that's exactly what you're going to do. And, you know, if you look at the years that they had Marshawn Lynch on their team, their run percentage in 2013 was 52%, which was first. 2014 was 51%, which was second. 2015, where Lynch got hurt, was still 46.71, which was fourth. And since he's left the last two years, they've been 16th and 20th. Now, some of that has to do with game script as well. But, you know, this is a team that historically likes feeding their top guy and feeding him often. So at the fourth round at that kind of volume is the kind of thing I'm looking for. So Penny's a guy I'm probably going to be overweight on the field. I think that he was overdrafted in real life, but in fantasy he's going to be given, you know, a workhorse volume, and that's the kind of thing that I'm chasing again. I mean, when Lynch was on the team from 2011 to 2014, he had 300 more t touches in every single season, and he, had, he averaged 295 carries per season and 40 targets per season. 
So that's 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 RB one workload right there. And in the fourth round, that's a that's a league winning pick if if he does exactly uh, if he's able to stay healthy and get that volume. You know, uh, it, it, again, it's really hard to argue with a, a single word that you said there. Um, I, I just, I just wonder if, you know, that he ends up getting it. You know, if you can't stay on the field because you're blocking on third down, and it's not a great offensive line. And the one thing I'll say to counter what you said, um, massive amount of respect for what you said. Uh, so much truth in it, but back then when they ran like that, it was before Russell Wilson was Russell Wilson, right? He was this third-round pick. Um, they had a great defense, and and I just feel like they could have the best intentions of the world of giving Penny this workload, and I think at this point they do. But I think that they've lost Richard Sherman. They've you know they might even lose Earl Thomas by the time the season comes. Uh, they've lost players off the defensive line. If he's not playing on third down and Seattle gets behind in games, they're just not going to have the luxury of handing him the ball and giving him those 20, 25 touches. So um, I get it. It's not like he has a second-round grade, but I did want to throw that out as a counterpoint. Yeah, and that's that's fair. Again, I'm lower on Penny the talent than the fourth round, but I'm on the situation. I think the situation is better than the fourth round. So that's kind of why I'm excited about it. And I, I do think he's a good runner. And I agree with you that the pass blocking concerns are very legitimate, but you know, CJ process is their best pass catching back and he's never healthy. The Russell Wilson uh, point is pretty fair, but you know, by 2014, 2015, he was very much a, one of the star quarterbacks in the NFL and they were still running a lot. Um, and I still expect this team to win a fair amount of games. Their over under number is nine in Vegas. So that that's, pretty successful and you know if you just look at in the division the the 49ers run defense is not very good especially that Ruben Foster we'll see what happens with his situation and the Rams while they have this beefed up interior uh Wade Phillips defense is historically are some of the worst run defenses in the NFL so I, I think that very good point. there 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 is going to be some opportunity for him and again this is one of those situations where I'm drafting the volume more than the player itself yep and um and you know and that's again from my perspective, and, and I'm a little more of a worry wart than most. When I, you know, the, the the you know, there's some situations where we just know that they're going to get the volume, and when, but when you know, I put pieces together, and Pete Carroll being overly positive, a bad offensive line, they could be behind a lot. He can't block real well. I mean, those are just legitimate things to keep in mind. And I got no problem with someone being overweight on this guy. Uh, I just want you to know what the risks are. So that's my thought, and uh, and we'll move on. So we'll go to Sony Michelle, and in my opinion, he's the most boom-bust uh, uh, of the players in this draft. The Patriots showed him a lot of love, and in a high-powered offense, if he takes the Deion Lewis role, he could be fantastic. But with the other running backs on the roster and the Patriots' history with running backs as well as his history of fumbling in college – there is some concerns, but then you look at his ADP and he's going in the mid fifth and sometimes you can even still find him in the sixth. I think the market is pricing in those concerns. I've got him as slightly overweight. Yeah. I just want to jump to one more point about Penny is that if you drafted, if you were targeting Penny before the draft, you're a very happy camper right now. Um, Absolutely. With that landing spot. Yeah, it's, I'm kind of with you on that one. But let, let's talk about Sony Michelle. So you mentioned the Deion Lewis role, and that role is really interesting because if you look at what he did without Rex Burkhead compared to with Rex Burkhead, it was very different. I mean, he averaged 17 more yards per game, uh, scored a majority of his touchdowns without Burkhead, and, um, you know, that that was in seven games compared to the 12 with Burkhead and I, I think that people are kind of forgetting just how crowded that backfield is I mean you add in the fact that they have James White they, they gave him an extension they have Rex Burkhead who played incredibly well for them I, I think on a point per snap basis was one of the most efficient running backs I think his point six six percent or point six six points per snap was second to only Alan Kamara among running backs so he he's an incre- he was a really good player, and I, I think they certainly do plan to use Sony Michelle. But that Deion Lewis role, I think, gets hyped up a little bit more um, than it should, assuming Rex Burkhead stays healthy. 
But again, Patriots running backs which, are really which is, trouble- a, which is a big assumption because Burkhead just it seems like one of those guys who's always getting dinged. But uh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, not a problem. I just yeah, you're you're not wrong because if Burkhead goes down or White goes down, then he could absolutely blow up, and that's probably the kind of running back you're looking to take in the fifth or sixth round. I mean, Michelle's incredibly talented. He can catch passes. He can block. He's got great vision. Uh, the fumbling stuff has improved since his freshman year, which is, which is always helpful. But like, if you look at the target rate for Rex Burkhead and James White, it's about 18% um, as opposed to Deion Lewis, which is about 8%. So, you know, if he is going to take the Deion Lewis role, I, I think that that's a fair value. And if someone goes down, he could absolutely uh, crush. So he's a guy I would target, but also, it would probably be, I'd probably be more comfortable in best ball leagues than, um, and I know that's what the show's about. But if we're doing like a season long league, uh, that right. that would make me nervous. I, I, I would, would have a lot never... less interest. Yep. If you had, he's a, exactly. If he if if he's a guy you got to pick which week to start, I'm not, I, you know all of a sudden I'm way underweight. But yep. um, you know when I can feel like I can get you know with nothing happening with injuries. I feel like I can get value out of him in the late fifth round. And like you said, he's got that upside if one of these guys goes down or gets in the doghouse or if Michelle just out-talents them, which is very possible. Um, so, yeah. When I, and when I say slightly overweight, that means somewhere in the 10 to 13% range, 10, maybe 15 at the highest. Um, you know, I, we're, I'm not advising you go hog-wild on this guy, but – you pointed to exactly why I like him because he probably can pay off his ADP without anything happening. And there's room for improvement. Absolutely. And again, if, if, if Burkhead goes down or white goes down or someone gets in a doghouse and he starts getting the Deion Lewis role without Burkhead, you know, that just in terms of volume I'm speaking of, but he can crush his ADP and, and, and win you the league. So I, yeah, I'm with he, you. I'd be slightly overweight, but I wouldn't go crazy on him. Excellent. Um, now the next guy I um, I got I, I got I got to pour one out for. He was my number one owned rookie running back, and what I wouldn't have given for him to be the guy who ended up in Seattle. And and in, in my heart of hearts, I think the Seahawks made a mistake in not taking him instead of Rashad Penny, and that's Nick Chubb. For this season, this was I mean literally the worst landing spot Chubb could get. As he, you know, there's no third down role with Duke Johnson, and Carlos Hyde is still there, um, and and he really hasn't dropped that much. He's still going in the seventh or eighth round. I don't see it. I'm way underweight at current ADP. Yeah, this is a guy I wouldn't have much of. I mean, you're 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 legitimately banking on an injury to Carlos Hyde to, you know, pay off that potential. Outlook, and then you you still have to factor in Duke Johnson. I mean, three guys splitting carries on a team that's not projected to win very many games. It's one of the lowest percentage run teams in the NFL. And I know people keep pointing out Todd Haley. You know, he gave a huge workhorse load to Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Charles. I mean, those guys are also two Hall of Fame running backs. And <laughs> like, it, are we just assuming that Chubb's going to be a Hall of Fame guy? And and then I, I think your point's exactly right. They they just made. Uh, um, Carlos Hyde, the tenth highest paid running back per year in the NFL. You know the people are telling me, well, the old regime drafted Duke Johnson. They got rid of a bunch of new guys. Yeah, but they also kept Duke Johnson, right? And he he got a majority of the target share. I understand Carlos got 42 targets last year, but I think it's a pretty safe assumption that Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb kind of split them. And year one, I'm not I'm not chasing guys that need injuries to just potentially pay off their upside. And then here's another fact. Tyrod Taylor had seven rushing touchdowns inside the 10-yard line last year, and he was far more effective than Mike Tolbert or LaShawn McCoy in that area. And the the Browns used Deshaun Kaiser in that area as well last year to be very effective. And these quarterbacks will take away goal line work from some of these running backs as well. So, And, and Baker Mayfield could easily play, and he, he has that RPO option as well. So, you know, the touchdown upside worries me. The receptions I don't think are there. The targets aren't there. And then the pure volume is not going to be there from both the standpoint of competition and the fact that it's the Browns, right? You you want guys on – you want your running backs on teams that are going to win some games because they run the ball more. And the Browns probably aren't going to win a whole bunch of games. They have the lowest over-under total of any team in the NFL according to Vegas right now. So I, I just – I'm out. Underweight, 
I don't even know if I'd have any at that ADP. He'd have to really start to fall for me to take a chance on him. Yes. I mean, he'd have to start showing up in the 10th, 11th round, which is where I think he should be. And, um, you know, I had 18% of him going into the draft. And, you know, as I said, I'm pouring one out for Chubb, probably like you're pouring one out for Baker ending up in, in Cleveland instead of the Jets. Yeah, I, I thought we were going to be able to make it to this podcast without mentioning that one. Uh, you know, that, that one stuff <laughs> a little bit. You knew that wasn't going to happen. Come on, you had to Of course to not. But I will say this is this. I think this is the first podcast I've done without the headband on in two months. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's good for my look. But I, I'm I'm obviously sad about that. Yeah, and uh, and Sam Darnold, uh, rather than looking real cool, looks like he's a little inbred. Um, I'm sorry, but that's uh, just my thoughts on it. All right, so enough about me and the insulting the looks of players uh, when I am certainly no prize. The next guy that was drafted is just, again, it's like a, the polar opposite of Nick Chubb, a guy with, you know, that I, I love and hate and fear, but he ended up in the perfect spot for him, and that's Ronald Jones. Um, I've got him as even weight right now, but I could certainly see – you investing money in him. And I just want to know, because to me, he, he's got that elite burst, elite speed, but he doesn't seem to be that good of a running back. And I wonder, you know, Peyton Barber's still there. Is Peyton Barber even draftable in the 20th round? Uh, give us your thoughts on Jones and that situation. What's, what's Jones's current ADP right now? Um... I think it's in the – you know, that's the one I didn't write down, of course. Hold on one second. Uh, just start talking about him in general, and I'll give you the ADP. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think what you mentioned is, is very accurate about Ronald out. Jones. I think it's like sixth round, right around the sixth round. See, like he, he's a guy I'm, I'm very comfortable taking the sixth round, and I'm just drafting the role. I'm understanding, you know, they, they took a premium pick on him. They don't really have much talent in the backfield at all, right? Doug Martin's gone. And he he played uh, a fair amount. They brought back Charles Sims for the pass catching work. Peyton Barber and Jacquez Rogers. Like he's he's got the most talent, the most uh, money spent on him, the most draft capital. You know, this front office just kind of made him one of the guys. And I I think he's got tremendous upside. The the Bucks run a ton of zone, and that's kind of where that that outside zone, those stretch plays, are where he kind of thrived. You you mentioned his home run ability. It it helps that you know he might be a guy that gets 15 to 18 touches a game, but he's the kind of guy that can make the most of those touches. And we've talked before in previous podcasts that you know he never caught more than 14 passes at any level. His high in high school, he never caught more than four passes. The receiving work is a major question. But there's still a lot of targets to go around. Um, if you assume that Charles Sims keeps the pass-catching back work, you know, Barber got 19 targets, Martin got 18 targets, Rogers got 11. And Barber and Martin kind of switched off games they played. And when – so if, if you just kind of assume that they add their targets up together, that puts Ronald Jones about 2.8 targets per game which I think is good for a guy that's kind of developing as a receiver. You know, he, he's, he's not going to be peppered with targets. The Bucks targeted their running backs fourth least in the NFL last year. So I think he's going to get some targets, not overworked there, um, and probably about 18 carries a game, so 21 touches a game, something like that. With his home run ability, I think that's fantastic. And a team that fit with other weapons that can probably spread the offense, uh, the defense thin, and he can hit some home runs. I, I wasn't in love with Jones the player, but – the, the landing spot, I think, is, is the reason that I'm going to be uh, overweight on Ronald Jones. And, and that's what's frustrating to me about the rookie running backs, the ones, and, it, and we seem to agree so far. The guys we have question marks on have great landing spots, and the guys who we really like, for the most part, are in spots that we don't like. It's, it's very frustrating. Um, we're going to go to, oh, the one other, you know, I, I like talking about the hidden things. You know, one of the hidden things I feel on the Bucks is that Dirk Cutter, all things are equal. He doesn't trust Jameis Winston. And so if they have a lead, I think they're going to run the ball. And I think that that's just a little, another just little thing that you can put into Ronald Jones's plus category. 
Yeah, I mean, I I think his Bucks team is pretty talented, and uh, like you mentioned, Jameis Winston's made some bad decisions, so that leads you to believe that Jones they're going to put the ball in Jones's belly. And you know, one question is Jones's weight, right? He came in the combine at 205 pounds, and but you know he got stronger as the game went on in USC in terms of yards per carry. First quarter was 5.4, and his best carry yards per carry was actually the fourth quarter in 6.4 better than the third quarter in 6.3. So he didn't wear down in terms of effectiveness um, during the game, which is which is a plus in terms of someone that's worried about his size. Yep. Next guy up is carry on my wayward Johnson, um, the, our second Johnson. And um, I like the player, and I like the landing spot. Uh, he's going at pick 88. But, again, I think that's a little aggressive as much as I like the player, LeGarrette Blunt's there for third down. Theo Riddick's there. I'm sorry, Theo Riddick's there for third down. And LeGarrette Blunt is there for not just goal line. People want to say he's going to be the goal line back. I, 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 I think he also gets five to seven carries a game. I don't th- just think they give him, you know, one to two jump in the end zone touchdowns. I think he's going to run the ball some too. He's an effective big back. Um, I like on Johnson, but at pick 88, I'm going to be, you know, a little bit underweight. It's interesting for me. Um, the the Lions came in, Bob Quinn, their general manager, talked about this offseason. They wanted to completely remake this run game. You know, they drafted Frank Ragnall, the, the draft's best run-blocking center. They got a new offensive line coach. They went out and signed LeGarrette Blount. Uh, Taylor Decker's going to come back for them this year. They are going to run a ton of zone um, inside and outside and, and power, which is basically what on Johnson ran exclusively at Auburn. So that works out perfectly in terms of a landing spot and uh skill set matchup. Then they went and traded up uh, a second from 51 to 43 using a fourth round pick. So they, they really wanted on Johnson. The general manager came out after the draft, said they, they think that he can be a workhorse back. They can feed him carries over and over again. I think your, your point about Blunt is probably fair, five to seven carries. It's interesting because – you know, he scored 18 touchdowns two years ago for the Patriots, but only two this past season from the Eagles. He was the only one of nine players in the NFL with t- uh, 10 or more carries inside the five-yard line, but only had one touchdown. So Blunt is 32 years old. They didn't pay him very much money, and they just invested this capital. So I, I think that on Johnson is going to be the main back. I agree with you that Theo Riddick is going to be the pass-catching back. I think Amir Abdullah, Teon Green, Zach Zenner, those guys, are kind of afterthoughts at this point. I, Abdullah might make the roster, but you know I don't think he's going to be very involved. And I think Carryon Johnson's probably going to see about 180 touches and maybe 20 or 30 targets if you kind of look at how the Lions target running backs outside of Theo Riddick. And uh, if you add in the fact that the zone blocking scheme works perfectly for him, they improve the offensive line, and they're a team that you know I think they were 31st in run percentage last year. They they clearly wanted to attack the run game. If that jumps up to 44, 45 percent. Then, then this is a team that could uh, – carry on Johnson could be a sleeper and the volume could be there for him. I think you won me over. I, th- I think you won me over. Great stuff. Um, next guy is a guy who everyone expected to be the second back off the board. Um, I had some questions about him, um, and, you know, his personality is a little odd, but he really fell precipitously – but I think he landed in a good spot, and he's going in the fourth round. I've got him as even weight. Uh, Darius Geis. Yeah, I'm not going to have much Geis, actually. Interesting. Um, yeah, and listen, the question is whether or not you believe in Chris Thompson's health. Probably. Because when Chris Thompson was healthy, he saw 79% of the running back targets. You know, like, they don't pass anyone else the ball. And even when he left, uh, and got injured, they still gave that role to uh, Byron Marshall had it for a game. Um, Capri Bibbs had it for a few games. You know, Gruden has always really believed in two running backs. Uh, when, when he was at the Bengals, it was Giovanni Bernard. You know, that, that pass catching back is someone he believes in. And I don't think Geis is going to see very much receiving work. I mean, uh, they, they asked Gruden in the, his press conference about it, and he was kind of like, uh, I don't need him to catch passes. You know, we're not, he's going to be that two-down guy for us. Now, I, I think that he's got a real shot to to be a good – guys can be a really good player. He's my RB2 coming into the year. But when you when you come into a team and you automatically lose basically all the pass game work, I, it makes me nervous. And round four ADP, it just – to me, it's an easy decision to go Rashad Penny over Darius. Guys, so I would be underweight on guys. 
Okay. I, I love it. That's, again, good stuff. And, uh, you know, truthfully, in the fourth round, I'm not, I don't want to draft either of them. I mean, um, and I could see, you know, I'll probably begrudgingly, you know, one of my big lessons that I learned two years ago is even if you don't believe in a guy, if he's got opportunity, you want to at least try and be around to even wait on him because, Right. If you're wrong, you don't want to kick yourself in the in the you know what. Um, and um, you know the only problem about either of them in the fourth round, especially with some of the guys we've talked about in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round, is the fact that you know early fourth round you've got Diggs, you've got Ertz, you've got Fitzgerald, you've got Amari Cooper, you've got Allen Robinson, um, you know Josh Gordon, Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Demarius Thomas, you know, there are a lot of really trustworthy people that you can draft. So, uh, you know, for me, the opportunity cost of taking either of them is, you know, as much as I want running backs and as much as, you know, it's tempting to take them, um, you know, I'm finding it hard to take either of them right now. I mean, that makes sense. You just mentioned a lot of good receivers and, you know, it's tough to do it kind of without knowing what your first three picks are and how your roster has been built already. You know what I mean? You, exactly. So, um, and I just want to throw one other thing out there in terms of working against Darius Geis is that in the, what, 10 games that Chris Thompson was healthy, um, only three games there was a running back with 20 or more touches in the game, and one of them was Chris Thompson. So Geis' lack of 20-touch opportunities that are probably going to be there with Thompson's being healthy, the fact that he's going to not catch passes means he's going to have to be incredibly efficient, score a lot of touchdowns, and that's a tough bet. You know, if you look at the top, because he's being drafted as an RB2, and if you look at RB2s, um, not a single player had less than 30 targets, and I don't, with with, with Chris Thompson healthy, I would struggle to see him there, and then the guys that didn't do a lot of work in the backfield uh, were Jordan Howard and Frank Gore, and they were both top uh, nine in touches overall, and then guys like Deion Lewis, who was the, one of the most efficient players in the NFL. So if I have to bet on top-end efficiency or uh, freak touchdown numbers, that, that's kind of an easy bet to kind of not make. So just in terms of – I think there's a lot more working against guys, and the thing that's working for him is his talent. But, you know, I, I'm going to bet on opportunity over talent for a rookie. I, I, I Again, great stuff, Elliot. The next guy is a guy who also is being hyped pretty, pretty what, um, much – He's going fifth, sixth round now. Uh, Royce Freeman, um, you know, I think that's the ADP. I might have gotten that wrong. I apologize, guys. Um, But, you know, he's brought into a a situation where the Broncos didn't spend a first or second round pick on him, and he has to compete with both Devontae Booker, and I think people are forgetting D'Angelo Henderson, uh, I call him D'Angelo, the outlier Henderson, because I think he's he's a pretty talented dude uh, who played pretty well in preseason and caught a TD pass in the one game they let him play last year. Um, you know, I feel like people are drafting Freeman as though he's going to clearly win this job, and I don't know that I'm ready to make that bet. How about you? Yeah, this, the fifth or sixth round is tough for me. Um, I, I thought – the when I last checked his ADP it was a little bit lower than that, which is one of the reasons I was excited about Freeman. And basically, you look at it, and he should get the C.J. Anderson role, which is about 55% of the snaps. They've kind of come out and said they feel really comfortable with Booker in that third down role. And he, I think, he averaged 9.5 yards per uh, reception last year, which was actually more than Duke Johnson. I think it was fourth overall for running back. So I, I feel like Booker's got that um, role pretty much locked up. But he only had he had about you know, 50% of the team targets, a little bit less than that. They do lose C.J. Anderson. They do lose Jamal Charles. You mentioned D'Angelo Henderson's probably there. He he played he 20 snaps played last like year. Yeah, he didn't play. So, like, and I think he's 26 now. I think he's a 25-year-old rookie. So, And the, the, the third-round pick is pretty decent capital on a running back. I mean, you look at third-rounders last year, like uh, Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara. Now, I'm not saying he's at of that talent level. But what I am saying is that, you know, they had – both teams have plans for those plans for those guys, and I, I do think Freeman's going to be pretty heavily involved. I think he's going to get a lot of touches. He'll probably have about twenty-five to thirty, maybe forty targets. 
Um, and I think his volume is going to be there. And the one thing I think we talked about Freeman that I really liked was his vision, right? And that's good vision. Getting yeah. everything that's um, available for a running back is really important for a rookie running back, something like that, because that's going to have his coach trust him in a lot of situations. And, Especially you know, the, if he can block. Yep. And Vance Joseph came out and said that Freeman is built to get a yard or two when you need it. He's like, he's the perfect guy near the goal line fourth down and one, third down and one, like that. That's one of the reasons really want him. So I think he's going to have that goal line uh, situation locked up. I think the Broncos are going to be a better football team uh, with Case Keenum. You know, I don't think Keenum's a great player, but he's better than Brock Osweiler and Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. Not That's not a compliment, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's just a statement <laughs> of fact. And, um, right, you know, last... so I... I'm so good. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say yeah. that. Yeah. Sixth so, round, I wouldn't have. I'd be underweight, but if though, I think I saw in like the eighth, and that's that's a position I'd I'd have a lot of interest in. Okay, good. Um, that's a very clear direction. Last running back I've got um, is Hines. Um, he is a favorite of our own fanball Scott Fish. Hines was drafted in the fourth round, but for now only as Marlon Mack in front of him. The fact that C.J. Anderson signed today with the Carolina Panthers takes him off the board. Um, so I, I do think that there's concern the Colts bring in a veteran, but now at an ADP of 153, I do think it's worth taking some shots on this guy. Yeah, I'll take a lot of shots on him. I mean, we're talking about a former slot receiver, a, a track guy, you know. Um, he and Mac have a pretty similar skill set, probably be used a lot. He can probably catch a lot of passes. Um, he, could, You know, he's a guy that can do a lot with – just a few touches with that kind of speed. So I, I'm I'm very excited for his potential. And I, I thought it was a great landing spot. And I know they drafted Jordan Wilkins as well. And they're they're probably gonna play some of these guys, but any anytime you got a guy that late in ADP that's gonna get that amount of touches, I, I want I want as much of him as I can get in the late rounds. All right, there you go. All right, let's move over to wide receiver. All right, we're done. No, just kidding. Um <laughs> But in general, we, you know, you and I have talked how this isn't a great class and how rookie r- wide receivers are definitely not the thing running backs are. And, you know, I uh, will start with DJ Moore. He was on, most, uh, uh, on top of a lot of people's boards, and he certainly got a good landing spot in Carolina. But I, I don't know that he profiles that well for an MFL 10, you know, pick and he's going in the 12th round I, I'm not going to have much of him yeah this uh if you tuned into this podcast to hear me tell you about which wider rookie wide receivers have taken best balls you're going to be pretty disappointed by the end of this one uh you and I have talked about this a lot I'm I'm mostly out on rookie wide receivers in general um I, I think they're overdrafted I'll give you one and, name I'm interested in well we'll get to Michael Gallup as I'm guessing who it's going to be um no. Oh, no. how about that? Well, we we but with with DJ Moore, you know, Scott Barrett put something out about how Cam Newton's the least uh, accurate passer in terms of underneath routes. I think that's where Moore wins right away. I think exactly. he can develop into a really good player, but I think you're probably looking at about 50 receptions year one. And I, I I'm actually doing all my research on him tomorrow, so I don't have like all the details in terms of his landing spot. But it, he's a kind of he's the kind of guy that I think they can manufacture touches for him. He does have to compete with Christian McCaffrey in that area. He can do a lot uh, after the catch. He's really got to develop his route running, which kind of, I think limits some of what he can do in year one. Uh, so the is a guy that I'm pretty comfortably passing on in the 12th round. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like Calvin Ridley more than some people. Um, I, I, you know, I, I know I told you this on DM. I see him as a nice slot guy because of his short area cutting ability and speed. and it, But we're not clear yet whether that's how the Falcons are going to use him or not. Um, at, at, I think we all can agree that most likely he's going to be the third option uh, in the past game. And he's going in the 12th, 13th, 14th, maybe round. Uh, again, I'm just not going to have a lot. Yeah. Um, listen, I think this is a great football fit. Um like, in terms of what Correct. he does for Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu, his ability to get vertical, I think you're absolutely right about the slot. But Sanu was one of the most effective slot receivers in the NFL last year. Exactly, so, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a situation where he's going he's gonna to have a couple big games. You know, he's going to take the top off. Julio Jones is going to get the number one receiver. Um, 
They're going to focus on Julio. They might not shade uh, safety over the top help for Calvin Ridley. He, he's going to get vertical. I think he's going to have a couple big games. I, I don't necessarily want to count on him. Um, but, again, best ball formats makes it much more realistic. I think if you want a comparison for the kind of best ball expectations, a, a Kenny Stills um, or Ted Ginn, you know, those are the kind of guys that I think he's going to have those kind of games where he's going to have a lot of quiet games. Really? Interesting. Um, and then a couple games where he has like three catches for 110 yards and two touchdowns. And then he'll have other oh. games where he'll he'll have one catch for seven yards. Six yards, yep. Um, yeah. I think that um, it, it'll be interesting if he can do that. Um, and I, you know, again, if he's a little bit later and he does profile like that, then I would be interested in a, a little dab. But if you tell me right now, that, you know, in the 14th round I could have Ridley or in the 15th round. I mean, I'm drafting Mike Wallace in the 15th and 16th, uh, you know, an unhealthy amount. I, I mean, he just jumps <laughs> off the board at me at that, that late. I know he's not the early career Mike Wallace, but in an offense where you're not going to, you know, he's going to be on single coverage all the time. Uh, you know, I love, my, I, I love me some Mike Wallace late. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, again, anyone that can get vertical and have these big plays and you don't have to worry about what week to start them or the kind of guys you want to attack in best ball, right? So Wallace is probably going to have three wide receiver one weeks throughout the rest of the, the season. Uh, he might not have any other wide receiver two or three weeks. <laughs> but, you know, those are I the kind of late. Will. Pick, I, I, I mean, I think he's the type of guy that every week he'll get three for 40 and – you know, every once in a while, that three for 40 will turn into like a five for 115. Yeah, and if he does, then he's going to crush that ADP. Correct. Now, to the next guy. He's the guy that I think I'm going to want to be drafting at his ADP if, it, if, it, if indeed he has that ADP next year. Uh, but he's raw, and he ended up on the Broncos, who also drafted the guy from Notre Dame. Was it Notre Dame? Penn State that I liked? What's his name? The little Deshaun slot Hamilton. guy. Yeah, Deshaun I Hamilton. like him yeah. a lot. I really like him. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't like the landing spot necessarily because you've also got uh, Henderson from last year, Carlos Henderson, and now Sutton. But I, I just can't see a raw guy like Sutton beating out Thomas or Sanders, so I just don't have any interest for this year. Yeah, I'll have zero sign in year one. But you know, I, And, and next I year, could, one of those guys will be gone, and people will forget him. Yep. I, you know what? I think both will be gone, to be honest. If you look at Hamilton, uh, Hamilton profile is very similar to Emmanuel Sanders, and the closest comp for Cortland Sutton is Demarius Thomas. And both these guys have outs in their contract with very little guaranteed money the following year. And I think the Broncos really wanted to draft these guys, develop, have them learn under someone with very similar skill sets, not force them into year one activity, and really step up into big roles the following year. So I agree with you. I think next year they're going to be fantastic best ball guys where people forget about them. But this year they're very easy fates. Yep. All right. Christian Kirk, um, he, he's an interesting cat. I haven't watched a ton of his tape. So I'm going to trust – it's a good landing spot in Arizona – um, so I, you know, I, I wrote in my article, I could take some shots on him, but I haven't yet. And I might not, uh, but I could, you know, but I could see someone doing it. Uh, probably not me, but what's your thought? I think it's a great landing spot for next year. Um, it's similar to Sutton. So I think he's going to play on the outside. Um, and I think he's best in the slot. I, I think he can do a lot after the catch. He needs to develop some of his outside route running, his natural. He needs to improve catching the football a little bit. But, you know, he can make a lot of plays and do a lot of things. Now, the reason I'm very excited for him in the future is because in the slot, he works the middle of the field, gets vertical. He can do all kinds of big things. And Josh Rosen is best over the middle of the field. That's where he likes to attack with a tight end, a slot receiver. So I think him and Kirk are going to have great chemistry. I, I just think that you need to wait a year for Larry to tie, retire. But, you know, late round dart throw, I, I wouldn't hate Kirk. But um, I, I think it might take a year before uh, he's a guy I'm really interested in. All right. Well, now we get to my late round dart throw, and it's James Washington. Um, really good landing spot. Pittsburgh has historically just crushed it with the got, you know wide receivers like Washington, drafted where they drafted him. And I know he kind of looks like Anquan Bolden, but 
I mean, he's, he can take the top off the of defense, which is, again, as we've been discussing, perfect for best ball. And he's going to be the third guy. But, um, you know, one thing's for sure, he's going to be on a lousy, you know, he's not, you know, and the best two cornerbacks on a team are going to be on Brown and Schuster. And I think James Washington can bring back value in the 18th round as a seventh wide receiver. Easily. This is a really good call by you. Um, Washington's going to basically be Martavis Bryant 2.0. He's going to step in and have the same exact role. And, you know, Bryant was a guy people were targeting in the fourth or fifth round last year in best balls. So if I can get the, the, the role, again, like we talked about earlier, sometimes you want to not necessarily look at the name as much as you want to look at the role. If I can get that role in the 18th round, I'm taking it all day long. And if we want to look at the talent, what James Washington does is intermediate and deep routes. He stacks. He tracks the ball incredibly well. He's not the best athlete, but he, you know, his route running, his technical ability, his ability to stack uh, defenders is absolutely terrific. So I'm with you in terms of he's a guy that I, I'll target a lot in the 18th round because he's going to have some monster games. And Pittsburgh receivers, like you mentioned, have come in and produced early on. Even guys like Martavis Bryant had a couple big games his rookie year when people thought he was going to not play at all. Juju Smith was an afterthought for a lot of people in year one because of how young he was and the fact that they had Bryant and Brown. But, you know, the Steelers have a lot of games where they'll throw 50-plus times in a game. Now, he's probably the fourth option when you add in uh, Le'Veon Bell as well, but he's going to have some he's, – he's probably going to be one of the league leaders and targets 20 or more yards down the field. And those are the kind of guys that, like you mentioned, we've, we've kind of beat it to death, are, are the guys you want to build your team around in the 18th round. You, you can't beat that upside in the 18th round. He's in, – in best ball – I want, I, you know, I look, I don't want all high-variance wide receivers, but I want to mix in a certain amount of them into every draft. And what I love about this, and this goes back to a, I love like a, com, a good comedy routine where you bring it back to something you were talking about earlier. You know, we talked about guys who can pay off their ADP, but if an injury happens, could absolutely crush it. Could you imagine if AB or Schuster goes down I mean, with his skill set, he could absolutely crush it for you. So, uh, you know, I love his profile. I love the fact that he could pay off and give you that. And all you need is three good weeks of 15 to 20 points to pay off a seventh wide receiver on your team. You can get him almost for free in drafts. And, um, and if you do get that injury – there's a reasonable chance that he could absolutely pay off with a you know a, a sixth, seventh, eighth round value. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think there's not much more I can add to it. It reminds me a little bit of Alvin Kamara last year. Now Kamara was going between the tenth and twelfth round in test balls, but you know I love and I had a, and I had a ton of them. He was my highest owned player, and uh, it was it was because I love the role that he was going into. And I love the talent. And with James Washington, he was my wide receiver three. at a second-round grade on him. I love the talent. And the role itself, when you add those two things in at a very cheap value, the, like you mentioned, he's, he's going to have some big weeks. And the injury, if there's an injury, even if, you know, Juju or um, Antonio Brown missed three or four games throughout the course of the season, that's enough to, for him to absolutely crush that, that uh, ADP. So I, I really like that call with James Washington. Awesome, and I surprised you too, which is uh, which which is good. Um, yeah, I yeah, you know, you, I was expecting you to just talk about the volume and opportunity with Gallup, but you know, what, for some reason Washington slipped my head and uh, slipped my mind in terms of um, best ball. But once you mentioned him, yeah, that that's a no brainer. And I forgot to throw in uh, Gallup actually, just to show you that he wasn't on my radar, but. Uh, I have to, I I didn't look at his uh, ADP in the uh, Mike Beers Best Ball Command Center is updating his uh, his uh, his um, application, so I can't look at where Gallup is going. Sorry, folks, uh, but you can join Best Ball Command Center and figure it out. Um, I you know we're going to do a speed round at quarterback and tight end for obvious reasons. But I, I, we got to pour one out for a guy you like a lot, and I feel the same way, but he just got the absolute worst landing spot, and that is John Kelly. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that was painful 
That was painful. <laughs> Is it, I think that made it <laughs> that worse. That he went was... so late and that he uh, that he ended, you know, it, at least my other late round guy that I like, Justin Jackson, ended up in a situation where I, I, I at least have some hope. Uh, but poor John Kelly, man. Yeah, listen, uh, I really want him to go to the Texans. You know, and have a John Kelly, Deontay Foreman, and potentially cut Lamar Miller. And uh, the Texans drafted a Jay Kelly right uh, like two picks before John Kelly went. So that was a little uh, painful. But um, with the Rams, I assume he'll make the team. But he's not going to play with Todd Gurley there. He, obviously, with an injury, there's upside. But you know, those aren't the kind of guys you're not drafting strictly backups with no workload. Yeah, he, he for, might uh, see some third down. You know, I don't think he'll get a, consist, a consistent third down role, but you, I could see him be in and out there sometimes, but not enough to where I uh, I could draft him. So let's, you know, I'm I'm a big one for not drafting rookie quarterbacks in best ball, um, and there's none that really have a chance to start. The the two I would consider, Baker Mayfield, your boy. Um, very good chance, you know, if, if you need a third quarterback in the 20th round, I mean, he's the guy that, you know, I could at least stomach taking. And then the other one is another guy who's, you know, going to sit beside someone. And he happens to be my favorite quarterback in the draft, Josh Rosen. Um, I, I, I think you could justify him in the 20th round too. Uh, if you need a third quarterback, uh, do you, you, you know, do you think Darnold, could you, I mean, any of these guys, could you see drafting except in a prayer situation? Elliot? Elliot? Well, that's frustrating. We lost Elliot. Um, hold on a second. I'm going to give Elliot the call-in number and... Let's see if we can get him back real quick. So those are my thoughts on the the rookie quarterbacks. And in this... But uh, you ever have that happen where you're in the middle of talking to somebody and you're going on and on uh, for like two minutes and then they're not there. And you wondered when they dropped off and what was the last thing they heard. So we, we're getting close to the hour mark, so we were going to cut it short anyway. Um, I will throw out um, just the fact that <clears throat> I do like uh, one tight end a little bit, and that is Mike Gusecki, who is gone to the Dolphins. And uh, that is really it for the tight end. Mark Andrews, I could throw his name in there a little bit, but uh, hold on, we got him. All right, so you're back. Yep, so I don't know what happened there. I don't know either, but you were gone. And I was telling everyone that it's kind of like you're on the phone for – and you're talking and telling a whole long story, and then the other person isn't there, and you have no idea what they heard. But basically, so uh, I, I'm we're getting close to the end, but there's very – I can't really see doing much at quarterback um, or tight end. Um, Mayfield Rosen, I said, you know, in the 20th round, if you really need a third quarterback, and I threw out Mike Gusecki as a possible guy, good landing spot um, if you need a third tight end late. Yeah, I think Gusecki is the only rookie tight end I, I want to trust because you, you mentioned the Ravens tight end. Uh, they're they're going to be competing for snaps. Um, and, the, and the quarterback situation, Rosen is a Bradford injury away. Mayfield could easily beat out Tyrod Taylor, but right now the plan is for Taylor to start. McCown's probably going to start. You know, I, I don't really want a quarterback that might play half the season. If I was going to take one late, it might be Lamar Jackson just because of his running upside and the potential for Flacco to frustrate them and then wanting to throw – Jackson in there the second half of the year, the 20th round guy, uh, just to try to capitalize on his running upside. Yep. That's going to pretty much do it for Elliot and I. Uh, Elliot, thank you again for coming back on and talking rookie running uh, backs mostly, but rookies in best ball this year. You can find Elliot on Twitter at Elliot Christ, and that's E L I O T 
C-R-I-S-T, and can also find his work on 444.com. Elliot, thank you very much for uh, joining me again. Yeah, this is a pleasure, man. I had a lot of fun. I really appreciate you having me. Oh, absolutely. Maybe we'll do a third. We'll we'll we'll, we'll finish the what what do they call it when you do like three movies? The third one. Uh, but maybe we'll uh, do that uh, in training camp and just kind of give people an updated look at ADP for rookies uh, with some training camp and early preseason news. Sounds good to me. All right, folks, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Fanball MFL 10 show. Fanball, more states, more options, and more fun. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next week.